Hi, I'm Kim LaPree from the Teachers Need Teachers podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 57 of Podcast PD, we debate the value of Twitter for education. Is it still relevant in 2019? This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco, Stacey Lindis, and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. Hey guys, how's it going? It's going good, Stacey. It is going wonderfully. Happy episode 57. This is where all the flavors come together, right? All the special 57 ingredients. I thought that was 31. That's ice cream. I'm talking about ketchup. Oh, oh right. Yeah, Heinz. <laughs> Got it. I don't really eat ketchup. I'm not a condiments person. That's right. I'll go with your ice cream analogy any day, AJ. It's ice cream. Tell me what's new. I got a new House of Ed Techmobile. What does that mean? I got a new car. <laughs> Fancy pants. What kind of car did you get? Bought a Honda Insight. It is a hybrid. Is that a newer model? It is. It, it used to be a car that they had a couple years ago, and then it went out of production, and then they brought it back this year. So I got a 2019. Uh, it's a four-door sedan, roomy. I had the hatchback, as you guys know, or people who, you know, if you've ever seen me, listener, um, had the hatchback, but now I have something that's more fuel efficient for my pretty much 100 mile a day commute round trip. That That's what's new in my world. New wheels, shiny wheels. It's cool. It's fancy. What color is it? Uh, metallic steel. Or is that the, is that the darker dark, one? Dark, dark gray. Yeah. Dark gray. Well, welcome to the new car club. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thanks. Do you have a new car too, AJ? Mine's a year old. What? What do you mean? What? When I, I when how we have at, I not seen that? I haven't probably seen you since Ed Camp, New Jersey. In so, November. in that time span, you have purchased a new vehicle. No, my my I got my car August of two thousand and eighteen. What year is this? Yeah, eighteen. Okay. Ah. When, when we found out we were having a baby, I was like, "Oh, need a third row." Need a third row. Got a third row. Got <laughs> captain's cheat seats. Got a got a middle walking aisle. And I know I am not getting a minivan. I was going to say, Captain Seats nope. are the bomb, though, if yeah, you are. have that third kid. So that's nice. Yeah, I got an Explorer. I love my SUVs. Ford, if you hear me, I love my Explorer. <laughs> XLT, <laughs> beautiful. Our new sponsor. <laughs> Lovely. Podcast PD, Ford Tough. <laughs> nice. There we go. Love it. I do not have a new car. I'm still driving my very old, it's not very old. Um, dodge to and from work. And my commute just got a little bit longer with with the change in the school year. But I'm actually liking it because I'm listening to way more podcasts. You go, yeah. Stacy. We'll see what happens with our numbers. I was going to say, your yeah. number probably went down like by five, if anything. I have to look at what the old number was. I think it was like 15 and change. Yeah. All right, then. We'll keep you in suspense until the end of the show. I think it was 1589 or something. I, ho- I hope there's a listener out there going, no, it's this. 1622. <laughs> She's a liar. Oh, my goodness. Well, I hope everyone um, has enjoyed 
getting into the swing of things. We are recording. It is the first week in October when we're recording. So we have a whole month of school under our belt. And today we are tackling some of the finer points of the use of Twitter. The three of us have been longtime Twitter users, and we're really going to dive deep into, as AJ put it at the top of the show, whether or not we find it as relevant as we did when we first joined, or for some of us, maybe relevant at all. And there's the big question mark. All right. So let's dig right in. Let's talk about it. So as Stacy said, we are longtime tweeters. I joined Twitter in 2009, which is amazing. That's 10 years ago. My, my little story, and I've shared it several times. So if you've listened to the show from the beginning, I'm just going to say I did it for sports. I found value with education, changed my outlook of the career, and really made me a better teacher. But I'll ask you guys, why did you join Twitter when you did? So I joined Twitter, I think it was in 2011 when I first became a tech coach. Um, And I let my account lie dormant for a few months until my fellow tech coach, Dan Gallagher, really kind of wrote me. Actually, I think he's the one who actually got me to to create my Twitter account. So that might have been January um, of the year that I became a tech coach. There was like a big debate on like what my Twitter handle should be. And then I let it like just lapse and live in like ridiculous dormancy because I didn't quite get it. And then I remember one day as I was getting ready for work and I wake up very, very early, I noticed that some of the people I was following, I was getting notifications that several people were tweeting using a hashtag. And that hashtag was um, BFC530. That is really what brought me into the Twitterverse in a way that was meaningful in regards to education. So what started out as trying to make connections and not quite getting it turned into this really organic way of connecting with people. And quite honestly, that's how I met AJ. We would participate in that same Twitter chat. And then um, I met so many other great educators, not only through that chat, but then it just kind of opened things up and made me feel more comfortable joining other chats that really just kind of led to crazy exponential growth um, in an area that at first I didn't feel quite comfortable. So everything started with BFC 530. And thanks to Dan Gallagher. What about you, Chris? I joined Twitter in 2009 in March. So at that point in time, I was probably long-term subbing. I was two years removed from student teaching and Obviously, even from that early time, I had an interest in technology, and I think I was attracted to Twitter because it was initially marketed as a microblogging platform. It just seemed like a really great way to share quickly. I remember when I first got on, it was a lot of people, because at that point, it was almost a year old. You know, it had really come on in 2008, and, you know, it was a lot of, what are you, actually, that was the question. Twitter, the question that asked you when you wanted to tweet was, what are you doing right now? Or what are you doing now? And it was a way for people to share and put themselves out there, literally answering that simple question. I don't think that's what the question it asks now is when you want to tweet something. I'm not even sure. Um, I'll try and simultaneously pull this up. But I joined because I wanted to put content out there. 
And at that point, I very quickly learned that there were teachers out there and you could use it as a way to connect with other teachers. So at that point, I was a novice educator, not a novice human being. You know, I was, you know, 27, 28. And uh, that that's why I was attracted to it. Easy way to put out content. And people were sharing blog posts and websites. And I quickly found out that it was a way to also get access to resources of what people were sharing. Chris, I Googled um, Twitter start date. And it's funny, like you're using the exact terminology that they have in their Google search, which is, you know, Twitter is a microblogging and social networking service on which users post and interact with messages known as tweets. Tweets were originally restricted to 140 characters. Remember those days? Um, that was not on, that long ago. I know, but on November 7, 2017, the limit was doubled to 280 for all languages except Chinese, Japanese, and Korean. And the current question, Chris, is what's happening? So when you go to compose your tweet, that is the question that you are met with. What's happening currently for you guys with Twitter? Where are we now? What do you mean? How has your Twitter use changed? Like Chris said, he, or um, AJ said he didn't want to downplay how important it has been in in the trajectory of his career. Um, but I feel like we're having this discussion because maybe it's not the same as it was when we joined in 2009 or 2011, 12, whenever I joined. It's definitely not the same. So Twitter for me, my usage has changed because one, when I started, I was very much a consumer of content. I would comment on people's stuff, but it was a lot of people sharing blog posts and articles from, you know, mainstream education websites. Uh, it's been so long. I don't know if Edutopia was around in, you know, 2009 and 2010 or anything like that, but certainly people were blogging, you know, full form blogs and putting their thoughts out there. And for me at that point, I was a consumer of content. I was reading other people's blogs and looking at their pictures and, you know, seeing what other people were sharing. I think this is the very early stages of Twitter chats. If that was even a thing way back at the beginning of that. Um, but I think it was really just connecting with people and you could direct message and you could ask questions, but it was still so new for just regular mainstream society. Um, but it was that being a consumer that started to frustrate me. How I started using Twitter is one of the reasons that led to me getting into podcasting it was because I got tired of retweeting other people's content, you know, whether they were, you know, the idea of the edu celebrity, that wasn't a term yet. You had people who were very well respected, who were putting out their ideas and they were thought leaders and you wanted to read what they were posting and sharing because they were putting their ideas and perspective out there. And I got tired of that because I felt like when I would ask a question, it was like throwing a tennis ball into the ocean. Somebody might see the ball I threw out into the water, but most often you got ignored if you weren't some of these high, quote unquote, high profile people. So that led me down the path of, well, how else can I put my voice out there where I can put out my perspective and be a creator of content and not just a consumer? And that's one of the things that led to, you know, House of Ed Tech and where I am today. 
Yeah, and Chris, that's actually how you and I met. And careful listeners of the show will recognize that we met at, I think it was Ed Camp, New Jersey. And I went to your session about creating versus consuming content. And that's when I started blogging, um, which I don't do anymore. I had um, actually, you know, we're recording this a few days after International Podcast Day where I, I did some live streaming. And when I talked about this podcast and the Education Podcast Network, I talked about how the three of us, you know, all met and how I sucked you guys into podcasting and AJ and I got you to podcast. But I said it first met because you were the first person who I met face to face who said, I listened to the House of Ed Tech and I, I you used the term fangirl. So I repeated <laughs> that. Yeah. And I, I then went on to say, I don't know if she fangirls over me now because now we're just like regular friends. Yeah. But, you know, that it was that was more podcasting, not so much the Twitter, but Twitter got me connected with Ed Camp, New Jersey and, you know, getting into that and doing the unconferences. And it just led to getting connected and meeting good people. You know, AJ, you and I met for the first time face to face at a, at, was it, it was a teach meet. It was teach meet. Yep. Before she was the shadow, she was Jamie, but you and Jamie were there and you know, it was another, you came up to me and you're like, aren't you at Mr. Nessie on Twitter? And I'm like, yes, I am. Hi, I'm AJ Bianco. And you know, it, in those early stages and early days, it was, you got excited to meet people face to face. You're like, Oh, I recognize you from your avatar or your profile picture. Yeah. And you, you and I started like kind of talking because we were doing Ed camp, New Jersey in its early stages. And we were supposed to meet and like the conversation we had was centered around like a kickball game. And I remember that. And, uh, yeah. I, never, I never made it to Ed camp, New Jersey that year because, um, because there was no kickball. No. Well, you know, Ryan was born only a couple of weeks before that, so I wasn't going to be able to make it. Ah, uh, uh, birth. Yeah, right, babies. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, you, you know, at, at that point, Twitter for me was really important. I remember, you know, setting timers on my phone and, and doing all the uh, important Twitter chats that helped connect with so many people. And Which was know, like all of them. Yeah, it was all. It was NJED. People were chatting 24-7. Yeah, it was all that. You know what? Maybe that's the difference right now. Those, those 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 Twitter chats were always something that we can rely on and, and you can continuously make connections and you can go in a chat and you can learn something new. You know, it wasn't somebody trying to outdo, well, there always was somebody trying to outdo other people, but, you know, there 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 was more conversation and connections and learning and, and, and that was something that I really, really appreciated. Uh, when I first started, but when the question is, has my use of Twitter changed from when you started? I haven't done a Twitter chat in probably about five months now. For me, it's even longer. So yeah. if you feel bad, don't. And if anybody feels bad that they're missing out on Twitter chats, maybe it's not worth being upset about. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it is worth to be upset. I don't think Twitter chats are relevant anymore. You know, when I sit back, I sit and look at um, my tweet deck. Of course, I still have like the chats I used to be part of, but I don't. I don't feel like I miss a chat, maybe because there's more resources out there where you can learn from. But um, I, I really haven't even seriously tweeted probably about three months. I know I took the summer off and I've been throwing a couple of tweets out there about, you know, coffee EDU or, or, or things that are more meaningful than just putting, putting out information or just a random tweet about something, asking a question like I used to do. It's very different for me these days. I would almost say it's even more, we don't need to throw questions out into the ether. We can 
almost know who to specifically try to reach out to. I was going to say that. I feel like for me, like once I found my, like my core group of people, I personalized it more. Um, And then, you know, those connections were taken off of Twitter and some of them are now on Facebook or, you know, sometimes I'll just DM somebody or text them, you know, or it's Voxer or it's Voxer. Right. So I feel like Twitter for me was a gateway to connection and then a gateway to other social media for the use of education. So, um, and you know, I was just talking to somebody about um, Global Read Aloud and making connections for like mystery hangouts and stuff. And I just led a session on that today. And we were talking about how Google Plus doesn't exist anymore. And she was unaware. And, you know, I was aware just because we have like in my old position, I needed to be aware of that stuff just to talk about limitations and how to gain access to, to, um, to those communities and, and, and that type of thing. But, um, I feel like people have taken some of those Twitter connections and merged them with the more personal area that some people would like consider Facebook to be because those loose connections on Twitter have become real connections um, and true friendships. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it's something I didn't actually, and I, something I did think about, but didn't actually put down as we went into this conversation, because you're, you're very much, you're very much correct about this. You know, I think we look at all these different platforms that are out there and we are connected probably with the same people on every different platform that we're on, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, or even LinkedIn these days, which is starting to evolve as well. You know, you're starting to see the same connections and the same things everywhere you turn now. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest with you. I was going to say, are you telling me I need to be on LinkedIn now? No, you don't have to. I'm just saying that that's right. That was just something that like, you know, you started to see more and more of. But I don't know if it's if it's come to the point where it's too much of the same in too few places. I wonder, though, if it's about your time of entry, like, does everyone go through the same pattern where like, you have that false start. It's quiet. Nobody tweets back at you when you put your tweet out there because you're not connected and you haven't necessarily followed the right people, right? Like it's, and you know, I remember someone saying, um, "I don't care how many people follow me. Um, I care about the quality of the people that I follow because that's where I'm finding value, right?" And like who I follow and the things that they're putting out there. But I think that it's twofold. If you don't have followers, you can't expect people to respond to your queries or participate in conversation with you. Um, but I wonder, going back to my original ponder, like, does everyone start with that false start, get totally immersed, and then like peter out um, either through fatigue or because they're... Um, their focus and attention shifts. Um, they know where to go with the questions that they have because their network has really filled out in a way that's more meaningful. Like I know if I have questions about special education, I have people I can go to for that. 
connections I've made on Twitter, but I reach out to them directly. I'm not putting it out there into the ether. Um, Like you guys, I have not participated in a Twitter chat. I do appreciate, though, when people invite me into it because it reminds me that, like, that still exists. It's still out there. And um, it doesn't make me nostalgic for what once was because I know it's always out there, but it makes me truly appreciate those connections. I think Twitter chats are still obviously happening. You you can find multiple chats happening at the same time. There's 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 overlap. You know, the, the Twitter chat has evolved from being, you know, an hour and, you know, six to eight questions and to, you know, a half hour and three questions. You know, this very podcast started out as a Twitter chat, you know, where we did the half hour, three questions. And so we have a familiarity with, you know, running that and leading that type of platform and, and connecting that way. Um, but I think what we also see is, you know, a shift in how people get on to here. Cause I mean, when you think about the idea of the connected educator and being on Twitter and connecting with other teachers and, and people to grow your professional and personal learning network, there are still people out there running workshops about the value of Twitter. The number of teachers on Twitter is still a very small percentage of the total number of teachers that exist. I know it feels like there's a lot of teachers on Twitter, but there's a heck of a lot more teachers that could care less. Right. I guess it takes, it takes me back to my question. So you guys joined in 2009. It's 10 years later, right? If you join now, do you think it would be as meaningful for you? Would you start at the same starting point? Like, would you, but everybody starts at the same, same starting point where you have to put your profile you're not following anybody. Nobody's following you. You have to build those connections. But beyond if, that, would would the excitement be there? Would you go all in like you did? Well, it depends. No, knowing what I know now or knowing what I or, – or, or with the aim of what I wanted to have prior. As the novice teacher, do you think that it, the novice teacher who signs up tonight will get out of it what we got out of it when we first joined or when it first became no. real for us? No. I, I say no. I say no. I will disagree with AJ, not just to disagree, but I, I think I like a good debate. If somebody joined here on, okay, we're recording this. If somebody joined on October 3rd right now, 2019, and we checked in with them in October of 2029, oh my God, I don't want to think that far ahead. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think anybody who's on Twitter for 10 years will have gone through the same journey. That's what I'm wondering. And AJ, you disagree? <sighs> Yeah. I mean, if you want to think I about do. it, I, Chris can elaborate because no. I, I kind I of mean, stopped when he agreed with what yeah, I said. Elaborate, but I want, I want to hear your point. But I, I think the word I'm going to use is value. I'm going to use the word value in a second. So go ahead. If somebody joins Twitter for the same reasons today that we all kind of just said that we joined Twitter to connect and to get questions answered and really goes back to that connection piece. If somebody joins looking for that, I think you can still find that. The difference is, and this is where you're probably going to jump in, AJ, there's a lot of other stuff, quote unquote stuff, that's a part of Twitter education that wasn't there when we started at the beginning of Twitter. I think when we started earlier on, I think we were getting a true sense of educators in need of something else, educators in need of a network, educators in need of uh, connections and different ways to learn. I think now Twitter not, was the not new, getting that. 
Right. Twitter was professional development. It's when we like it's it's some of those conversations of like, wouldn't it be great if our districts accepted a Twitter chat as, you know, three credits of, ex, you know, extending, P, you know, your whatever, whatever those credits are. They don't we don't call them that here in New Jersey. So I don't know. But but you make that point, Stacey, and there are districts that now that that does happen in some places. That's progress. So I think that is a positive. You know, I think we've all been in districts that have attempted to run their own Twitter chats. I, I know the district I'm in for a period of time ran a Twitter chat and other people would come in and you'd get in district perspective and out of district perspective. You know, I think a lot of people who are leveraging Twitter are still trying to get people on Twitter. I mean, last year or two years ago, Bowtie Joe, Joe Juba and I, we had a, and we ran in our high school, a Twitter party. So it was an after school thing. We had snacks and stuff and it was trying to get people to add Twitter to their education existence. Right. I wonder, but but there's a lot of noise out there now. Yeah. I wonder if my focus has also shifted because I've become better at finding my own professional development. Right. So I'll go to a book and then then Twitter's like the gateway. It taught it gave you some skills. Right. And then the other thing is Twitter continues to be like the highway for that, the conduit for that, because if I get a new book, like if I get um Rich Chiz's new book, The Secret Sauce, I know how to reach out to him. And one of those avenues is through Twitter because he doesn't have a Facebook or, you know, um, so that's how we would we would connect or, you know, through Voxer. But again, Voxer only came because of Twitter. I don't know. I know when we started this topic, I was I was feeling a, a bit uncertain because I really don't know how I feel about Twitter. Some days, like I reminisce about what it was and what it did for my career um, and how it helped me grow professionally and personally. Like you guys are some of my best friends in education and that would not have happened if not for Twitter and making those connections. Is it the same? I don't know. I still log in every day, but that's mostly because I hate badges. And honestly, some people tag me in some really relevant things. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. So that is a piece of Twitter that I want to hold on to. I agree. I I still think that there's value. I mean, now for me, it's also a promotional tool. We, we, We use it here for this show. I use it for House of Ed Tech to connect with listeners in, in a way to connect with me. So it, it's an option to do that. I leverage it still with, you know, what I do with students at Rutgers to kind of, I think that that's even a great example. I try to present to them people who are not becoming teachers, the value that I've gotten from Twitter in my career as an educator that I think that that can be found in other areas and in other industries for other professionals to connect with like-minded individuals who have the same interests or do the same work as you to connect and again, grow that, that network of people you can, you can reach out to with questions or just make friends. So I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like Twitter for me, obviously you can tell from the way that I'm talking about it. Twitter for me is not the same and it does not deliver the same value that it once gave me. I go on there now and I'm seeing things that I'm not too fond of. I'm seeing a lot of back and forth in a negative way. I'm seeing a lot of put downs. 
I'm seeing a lot of a lot of self-promotion and quote unquote thought leaders. And is all of that in education Twitter? Yeah, that's all I follow. Can, can I piggyback on 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 your points, AJ, for one second? Good. I'm I'm gonna keep going, but go ahead. I agree about the promotional selling, whether it's you know, books or ideas, people selling. But it, but that's also something that's also kind of always been there with people putting out their blogs and read my stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I get that. Um, and, and you had said something else and it, it, it escaped me. Um, the back and forth and the negativity. I kind of welcome that. I don't engage in it. But something that always frustrated me from the very beginning so 2008, 2009, 10 at the very beginning. And I just probably tweets that I put out about this, about it. It was always too positive at times for me where I didn't think the conversations and the Twitter chats were authentic enough. And I've always taken the approach that I'm a teacher. I'm a very low on the totem pole of public figures, public figure where you don't want to spew negativity and you know, there are things that I will, that I'll never get anywhere further away than close to my vest of things I have opinions about. Cause I don't think there's, there's a reason to share that. You know, I, I have personal Twitter. I don't rant on there because you could still say, Oh wait, Chris Nessie. Oh, this guy's a teacher. So I, I'm not one me to just spew out negativity. You know, I can have conversations with you guys. I can talk on a podcast and not be misunderstood but I'm not going to tweet about what makes me unhappy. And I've even, I've, I've, I've blurred that line at times with things I've tweeted. But you've talked about that. You've talked about wanting people to be real. And I, I disagree with you there. Like I don't want negativity. And, you know, I think part of the problem. For people to always be like, oh, education is sunshine and roses. When every teacher who's ever taught is like, no, it's not. So like a couple of years ago, you know, I tried to put out the idea of the hashtag edufail and, you know, we're always sharing what goes right, but you know what? Not everything goes right in our classrooms every time. You know, we all don't have Pinterest certified classrooms and we all don't have, you know, teachers pay teachers lesson plans to use every day. That I think is different, right? Like the edufail effort that you put out there. I think that is an authentic way to help grow because like, yeah, someone's also lived that failure and you can hopefully get someone to help you with that and be part of that. But I don't like, like to, um, to AJ's point with the back and forth and the, like the intentional put downs. I think part of that exists because when it's text and it's not a spoken word, meaning is lost. And I think that, you know, your keyboard courage comes out and you lose a lot of, um, that, that, like personal touch and the nuances. And that to me is very challenging. So I'm with you on that one, AJ. Yeah. And I, I think some of the other challenges are, and, and, and Chris, going back to what we talked about before, and we had a little disagreement on whether or not it still brings value to people. Um, I get very nervous of the fakeness that I see, right? The, the, I'm not, I'm not pointing out any people because this is something I saw on Twitter too, where, you know, automatically, you know, a leader in some regard to put up, put out a tweet and people just bash them because, oh, they're not in the classroom anymore. All right. So they're not in the classroom. They, they did their time. They don't have to be in the classroom to be a leader anymore. But um, there, there's a lot of fakeness 
out there and a lot of people are just putting tweets out there because you know they have followers and they can say what they want they can rant however they want and they're going to get responses whether they're positive rants or negative rants they're going to get responses they're going to get likes they're going to get retweets right and, and, and what we see is people will comment they'll like they'll retweet right right but, but the thing that's frustrating is if an idea is challenged we're seeing people that yeah, don't yeah. But I'm respond not, to the challenge. But I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about that. I'm, I'm more focused on the fact that like we talk about people joining in for the first time and what do they see? They see these tweets and like, oh my God, this is this is greatness. This is wonderful. You know, there are parody accounts out there where they're they're funny as all all else, but people are so serious about it that they don't realize it's a joke. And then they get into an argument with this fake account. And that's where like that's where the line comes from me. Like when when you're so immersed into what someone has to say that it has to be real, it has to be on point, that you're arguing, you're, you're arguing a joke. It's like sitting in a comedy show. AJ, it's the internet. If you read it on the I, internet, I, it's uh, real. It's true, right? I know, I know. And just like if it's not on Facebook, it's not official, right? Exactly. Right. So and that's and that's what makes me nervous. If we're going to turn to Twitter for positive things and we're going to try to make the shift, we need to really find that fine line, uh, the fine line where people understand that what works for them works for them. Stop looking at things and saying, this is the greatest thing that's ever going to work in my classroom. And then when it doesn't work for you, you just give up. And I think, I think we're seeing a lot of that. I think we're seeing people who are like, well, this works for Joe Schmo in Illinois. How come it's not working for me here? You know, and then people are starting to to lose their their belief in in what they can do. And that's where the negativity comes in. That's where the back and forth and the arguments start. My school doesn't look this way as this guy's talking about. It must be wrong. My kids don't do this. It must be wrong. That's where I get concerned. Or you'll have people put out what they do in their classroom or something they've done and they're genuinely sharing. And now more than before, you see people being criticized for what they've done. Yes. Or what they're sharing. Yes. Because every, everybody looks at it as like, oh, they're trying to sell something or they're trying to make money off of a product, which a lot of people are doing right now. And you know what? You want to make money off what you do. Great. But like, I'd rather you not, <laughs> to be honest with you. But <laughs> hey, you know, it's going to happen that way. Yeah. Why don't we... Take a second because we we did get some feedback. We put out we we put up the podcast PD search light up into the sky, and we had a, a number of listeners respond to their thoughts on Twitter. Um, we got an email from Stephanie Lewis. Thank you, Stephanie. And her email reads as follows. Actually, I was going to read it, but Stacy, you are a female, so could you be Stephanie Lewis for a moment? Not a problem. Okay, this is my best Stephanie Lewis voice. I joined Twitter because my professor in my ed doctoral program made us join for a class. Over the past year or two, it has become my favorite type of professional development. I can connect with I can connect to educators across the world and instantly get feedback or ideas. I love my Twitter community. Also, as a high school teacher, I stay anonymous as I do not want my students to find me. I might be brave in the future to change that, but not yet. By staying anonymous, it gives me more freedom to interact with other accounts and not worry about what my school or students think. I like that there was encouragement from 
you know, a higher education institution. I love that there's some length of time committed to this endeavor. You know, two years on Twitter, I think helps you grow. I love that it's a source of professional development. Um, she speaks of having a Twitter community and making those connections. We all spoke about that, right? Um, I also appreciate the anonymity. I wish that um, I I want I I often wonder like what would it have been like if I had gone the anonymous route or the route where you know I you know I lurk a little bit more than participate. But um, you know she does this for her own growth and not necessarily for the promotion of her kids. Um, and the work that they're doing in the classroom. And I think that there's a lot to be learned from from just kind of participating on a very personal, deep level like that. So kudos to you, Stephanie. I appreciate everything you said there, Stephanie. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, you, you do have some good points. I would just say, and this is something I preach from day one, open up your account. Uh, don't Don't go anonymous. Honestly, and the reason for that is in today's society, if we're teaching our students, we teach them outside of the classroom too. Uh, let them understand why you're tweeting. Let them understand the value of using social media and show them how to do it correctly. Don't hide. Show them the good things. Show them the bad things and allow them to understand what they could possibly use social media for. And uh, I, I think it might open their eyes a little bit. That's just my two cents is what I agree with. That's what, that's just me. I I agree with both of you, but I really want to also second what AJ says about put yourself out there. You are a role model and this is something that if it's not model for our students, who is going to show them how to have that positive digital footprint and how to really do digital citizenship. So what if they find you? You know, if my students find at Mr. Nessie on Twitter, they're not going to be engaging with me because I'm not talking about anything that they're interested in. But it does show them that when you find something you're interested in, here's a way to leverage social media in a positive way. And I do talk about that with my high school students. And, you know, you know that I talk about that with the college students I work with as well. So thank you for sending that in, Stephanie. Hopefully you, uh, Go public. All right. Let's go to our last episode guest, Tracy Enos. So take it away, Tracy. Hey, Podcast PD. This is Tracy from Rhode Island here, just responding about Twitter. So I actually really love Twitter. I still love Twitter as a way of just connecting educators together. You know, oftentimes teaching feels like you're on an island and it has that, you know, isolation kind of feel, even though we're surrounded by noise and people and bodies all day long, but not necessarily someone where we can sit down and reflect and think about and share different ideas. So I'm all about any tool that helps us collaborate together and form that dream team that we need um, to survive and to thrive. Um, so Twitter is just one of those tools. And there's, a, you know, there's Voxer, there's podcast. But for me, Twitter is a really fast tool that helps, you know, something that I can do very easily to share and, and learn different things. I have learned that I have to kind of um, quell my list or else it just gets really overwhelming. And I have to decide who's going to be the ones that bring me 
me up and actually help and share ideas as well as participate in a conversation rather than just, you know, have like all these like one-sided things. So I definitely have my favorite people to follow. Um, I have a list. I call them they're my inspiration list. Literally, that's what I'd name it. So um, I guess that's one of the things, you know, being careful about who you follow or just, you know, caring about that. That helps. And, you know, just, you know, a lot of times you have to obviously look through and vet what you read and just make sure that it kind of jives with what you do. But I do feel like it's still like it is a relevant tool for collaboration. And I encourage all teachers to check it out. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, for sending that in, I agree. Everything she said, like even though I'm I'm still being negative towards Twitter in 2019, I do agree with everything that that Tracy says. AJ, let me ask you this: Don't ask me anything. <laughs> I, I I we share some of the same negative viewpoints on Twitter. If you're not, I'm going to go on a limb to say you'd probably not be recommending Twitter to teachers in 2019. What would you recommend a teacher do today to connect with other educators? What platform should they start with if you don't think it's Twitter? If you don't think it's Twitter. I would still recommend Twitter, okay? But I would recommend it differently than what we did, right? So... For example, my school that I'm at right now, we are trying to get bigger in promoting ourselves, right? We want we want the public to see what's going on in East Rutherford so that people can know this school is a top-notch school, right? So I would advise people to find Twitter, to start a Twitter, and, and explore. What I wouldn't say, <laughs> I wouldn't say go crazy, right? Narrow down your network to your surrounding area. You know, focus on New Jersey. For me, focus on Bergen County. Here are some schools you could follow. I think that's what I would do now because Twitter and Instagram, I would connect together because we're trying to, quote unquote, build a brand. And I think building a brand, I think that's kind of the negative connotation that I use sometimes when when I think about Twitter. It's a brand. But like if you're building it for your school and you're looking to push out that information, I would say narrow down the people you follow. If you're really looking to go all out, build a brand, write a book, start a podcast, go crazy, you know, but I, I would still recommend Twitter for people to start because there is still some value that's there. And there is, there are still people out there who will be helpful and will guide you and will, you know, help you turn to, in the right direction for you know, positive learning. So Twitter would be my number one, probably followed next by, I guess, Instagram. But I, I feel like I feel like Instagram is a different animal completely. I, th- I think that's fair. And I, I, I like what you say about start growing your network locally. Connect with people in your district. Connect with people in surrounding districts. Look around your state, your county, a neighboring county, and then slow and steady wins the race. And I don't even think it's a race because what the hell would, what, what are we racing for? Right. What, what's the finish line? What's the right. end game right. for all of this? Absolutely. Ultimately for everybody, it's, am I using it to become a better educator? And ultimately is that going to impact the students I teach or the teachers I supervise things like that? And, and that's it right there. 
Is it going to make me better as an educator? Is it going to help the people around me? Not, am I going to become Twitter famous? You know, and I'm afraid too many people go that route because they see it and they want to be Twitter famous. You don't need to be Twitter famous, right? Uh, don't you remember when we wanted to be Twitter famous? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're still, we're doing fine. But like the point is, if you want to get on there today, you want to get on there for improving your school, improving your yourself as an educator and improving your students to make them better people for the future. I think this is why my, my ideas of Twitter have shifted, you know, because like we say, you just said, you want to be Twitter famous. I didn't want to be Twitter famous. I wanted to be a relevant person in the education world. And I think I have been, but it, it's not the world. It's my area. I think I kind of consider myself a name where people are like, oh, yeah, I know AJ. He's a good guy, you know? And that's why I'm saying that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I said, I hope. I don't think anybody is saying that. I'll say it for you. I don't, I'm going to push. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to push a little bit and, and say, like, while I understand connecting with your local people, I think that there's some value to connecting outside of your local network. Like, yeah, I can connect with the people in my building, but it's a lot easier for me to go have a conversation with them than try to keep up with them on Twitter. I'd rather keep up with people who are going to feed me new ideas and help me grow and help my kids grow. And so like for to that end, I'm looking for people outside of my district, people who might be getting different professional development development that I'm getting and people who have the leeway to take different risks or might be experts in an area that like right now, currently I'm not feeling like the expert in fifth grade and that's okay. But when I first found out, you know, when I first moved into this position, the, one of the things I did was put it out there, like, who do I need to follow? Who is sharing valuable information about fifth grade? And, you know, um, one of the things that I, I was really looking for, but didn't put out there is like, what blogs can I look at? Because I feel like blogs kind of live in 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 an eternity that Twitter doesn't have. Right. There's more of a permanency to to a blog than there is to Twitter, especially with the fast moving feed and, um, you know, depending on who you're following and the algorithm that Twitter is serving that day, you get all kinds of mixed up jumbled things. But a blog like I can follow one fifth grade teacher that I I highly respect and can gain a lot of insight from. And so for me, Twitter, I, I found some value in that this year as well. Actually, if I could just throw out Stacey real quick. You know, in addition to looking for those fifth grade teachers who are blogging and find that, finding that content that is out there already, um, consider even finding that fifth grade teacher or teachers who've got YouTube channels and they're putting out video content. I so, I mean, while well, you might say you, you don't have time, I'm saying it, it's another option. So for somebody who's listening, if they're not, you know, I only read at one speed. I can go speed up a YouTube video. That's why I listen to podcasts. Right. Um, so... If it doesn't help you, it might help somebody else. Fine, fine. I'm just saying I can't just listen to that. <laughs> well, I agree with that. You know, you know, reach out to people. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just saying as a starting point. But I, I just wonder, and, and, I, and I wonder this for myself as I look back 10 years now, where we continuously say, oh, the best PDA I ever got or the best people I ever met, the best ideas I ever had became uh, came about because of Twitter. I'm afraid we've come to the point, sometimes, some of us, maybe, that we look for those people that are so good outside that we totally forget and ignore the people that are inside our schools, down the hall from us, 
who are doing things, but we don't know because we don't reach out. We don't have those conversations, you know? So that's why I'm saying start small and then kind of branch out to figure out who else is out there. Well, you know, I, I think you make a good point, but I, I see it just a little differently. I see what I see that, but I'm looking at it from a different angle. And that's, I see the good things that are happening with my colleagues that I work with every day, whether it's in the social studies department or math teachers, I know, or whatever the case may be. And I see it and people in our building see it, but I come from the mindset of, boy, I wish you were connected. I wish you were on Twitter sharing the lessons you're doing in science or, you know, the great, the social studies teachers that are better than me, that if they were connected and sharing and, you know, part of, you know, SS chat or putting stuff out in, on, on the hashtags and putting out and sharing what they're doing that isn't getting the exposure that would bring value to people who are looking for good practice. You're, you're, you're correct. You're correct. And speaking of value, we still have one more contribution from Mike Brilla. So let's hear it, Mike. Take it away. So on to the Twitter questions. Um, I started using Twitter a number of years ago, and I still use it for my education. I think it's made me a better teacher in a number of ways. I think one of the first things it did is it connected me with a group of inspirational individuals. I think, by and large, the teachers that are using Twitter and active on Twitter are people who are progressive thinking. And I think it um, it helped me to reinforce my, my progressive thoughts on education, you know, going towards project-based portfolios, less tests, whatever, um, because sometimes we teach in buildings where we feel like we're on an island. Maybe one or two other teachers think like us. So it's, it's great to see other people doing the same thing. Um, it's given me a ton of ideas. Uh, people on Twitter are so willing to share. Uh, it's definitely altered my teaching. Um, it, it drove me into more of a, a leadership role in my school. Um, and a lot of it's through the, the relationships that I made with different people on Twitter. Uh, and I think it's definitely still relevant today, especially for educators. Um, I think we are, for the most part, a little bit of an older generation, some of us. And um, maybe we're too old. We think we're too old to be using things like Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter just is right what? up our alley. What is this Snapchat? Um, so I still think there's a lot of great stuff that we can use, a lot of great ideas, and a lot of great people you can connect with on Twitter. Uh, you know, I think this this group is an example where uh, I would have never done this had I not been on Twitter. Um, it took me down the Twitter took me down the wormhole of podcasting and reaching out to people and talking to people and um, thinking my my voice matters. And I think it, the last thing about Twitter that it has done to, to change my teaching is um, the more I put myself out on Twitter the more I think what I'm doing better be, better be good. If you're going to put yourself out there, you better have, if you're doing more than just worksheets. And I think that's one thing, the, uh, the whole idea of opening the, the windows of the classroom, letting people see what's going on, raises the stakes a little bit. So thanks. Great episode again. And I hope uh, your Twitter speeches uh, goes well. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you sharing that. And uh, Mike was referring to the podcast PD Voxer group and he shared that in there. So really appreciate your, your thoughts and, and I and again I, I think he's on point. You know, my eyes are open for different reasons to what people are saying. So I'm not completely negative. You know, and I just I, I maybe I am a little nostalgic as, as Stacey was talking about before. It makes me want to oh. go back though. Like now that I have this different role and like maybe Twitter could be that fresh thing, right? Like I can revisit that nostalgia and see if 
you know, seven years later, it's still as relevant now that I'm a fifth grade teacher and I have a lot to learn about how to meet my kids where they are and how to do innovative things outside of the technology. You know, um, PBL is not something I took advantage of. So maybe taking it, um, taking part in some of those Twitter chats can help me grow there. I still need to get my feet under me though. So focus on that first. And then you're, you're well on your way though. I at least know where to look and I'm not afraid to dive in. And I, I, I guess for me, that really is the message, right? Like dive in. If, if Twitter's not your jam, then find a blog, find a YouTube channel, you know, join a Facebook group. If that, if you're, still involved there. Like there are so many educational Facebook groups that can also bring value um, because maybe Twitter isn't your jam. Maybe you don't want one more social media account. That's why I don't have LinkedIn. Yeah. Look, I think we can, we can roll with this conversation for hours, but I'm, I'm going to ask you guys, do you have any closing thoughts before I share one more thing with you and our audience? I'm going to steal Chris's house of ed tech, right? Twitter, Twitter doesn't have to be hard. Just give it a try. What you got, Chris? Now that you took your line, were you going to say that? No, no, I wasn't. So you you, you can take full ownership of that. <laughs> I think Twitter still has some value. I also think that it's something that we could do a couple of hours on. So I'm not going to say that this episode is part one of anything, but certainly something we we can revisit and talk about because. Like any topic we talk about on this show, or if you go to a, an ed camp or a conference, we can have the conversation multiple times and attack it from different angles. So is there still value? Yes. Are there things that are negative that I don't like about Twitter? Yes. But that might be a conversation for another day. All right. I'm, I'm going to share one thing. This is the last thing I'm going to share here about this. Um, because if it wasn't for this of what I found, I could have gone on a total rant of negativity about Twitter, right? So when I was getting ready for this episode, I came through a tweet from September 23rd. All right, this is only a couple of weeks ago from Brian Kite, who I've mentioned uh, on this podcast several times. Uh, he's on Twitter at T, the letter T, Brian Kite, K-I-G-H-T. Uh, and he, he said this, and this is where it kind of woke me up a little bit. He says, social media is just a tool, a neutral platform that amplifies and scales what's put into it. It isn't good or bad. It doesn't help you or hurt you. It will not create value for you or destroy you. You do. Who you are eventually and always trumps how you portray yourself. So because of that tweet, it opened my eyes a little bit more uh, with Twitter and what we should be doing with Twitter on a daily basis. What you just shared first, thank you for sharing that. What it reminds me of is, and say what you will, but I'm, I'm going to go back and I'm going to talk about Bill Cosby for a second, which now people are going, what? I don't know if that's the best thing you want to do, man. It, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to own it. In his stand-up special, Bill Cosby himself, which I could probably recite from start to finish, he talks about cocaine. And now you're all like, what? So he talks about cocaine and he's doing a bit where cocaine is presented as, you know, it, it, it enhances your personality. Twitter can enhance what you do professionally. Follow along here. But in his bit, he then questions this person who presents it and offers him or a character cocaine. 
oh, it, en- it enhances your personality, to which he says, but what if you're an asshole? So, <laughs> so, yes, what you just said, Twitter will eventually be the representation of who you actually are. There's no hiding who you are. You'll eventually be who you are and your personality will come out and it'll become a representation of reality. Use it wisely, use it responsibly. I, I think that's kind of what what that's getting at. I could be wrong, but that's just my initial take on what you shared. So what are you guys listening to? All right, I'll, I'll jump in. I'll start with, with uh, what I'm listening to. It's actually, I'm, I'm learning and listening. So it's an audio book. Thank you, Stacey. Um, You're welcome. This, I haven't started listening to this yet. I'm going to be 100% honest with you, but I borrowed it from my library through Hoopla because I love that app. Woo-hoo. Uh, yeah. So I'm listening to and learning from this book called Feedback and Other Dirty Words. It's by M. Tamara Chandler and Laura Grealish. Uh, I'll give you the synopsis of the book again since I haven't started it, but it is on my queue to begin uh, as I drive into work. And uh, since it's about feedback, starting with uh, why we fear it and how to fix it. It says, feedback, the mere mention of the word can make our blood pressure rise and our defenses go up. For many of us, it's a dirty word that we associate with bias, politics, resentment, and self-doubt. However, if we take a step back and think about its true intent, we realize that feedback needn't be a bad thing. After all, understanding how others experience us provides valuable opportunities to learn and grow. In this book, the authors explain how feedback got such a bad rap and how to recognize and minimize the negative physical and emotional responses that can erode trust and shut down communication. They offer a new and more ambitious definition of feedback, explore the roles we each play as seeker, extender, and receiver, and introduce the three F's of making feedback focused, fair, and frequent. When it's done right, feedback has been proven to be the most effective means of improving communication and performance for you and your organization. It's too important to give up, and with the author's help, you'll be able to use it deftly, equitably, and effectively. I'll let you know how that goes after I'm listening to it. That sounds awesome. So I, I, ca- I caught this through a quick glimpse through uh, the app called Blinklist. Blinkist? I can't remember. Yes, Blinkist. Yeah. So I caught this on there and I listened to it and I was like, I got to check out this book. So I'll be checking it out. Do you pay for Blinkist or are you doing a free trial? No, this happened to be a free a free preview. So it gave me like the seven or eight blinks and I was pretty impressed and I wanted to grab it and I found an audio copy. So here we go. I'm actually more interested in Blinkist maybe tune into a future episode of House of Ed Tech as I explore that. Cool. <laughs> but the book sounds good too, uh, AJ. Thank you. Uh, I will go next. And Stacy, I'm going to need your help because, well, I'm not a woman. So once again, I need to lean on your womanly shoulders. Okay. So my, re- my recommendation uh, is a new one. I've only listened to one episode so far, but I got this recommendation uh, on International Podcast Day from Dan Krinus, host of the leader of learning podcast, member of the education podcast network. And he shared with me a podcast called pretty intense. And the host is Danica Patrick. Yes. That Danica Patrick, the race car driver. So here is the podcast description in the role of Danica Patrick, Stacy Lindez. 
I'm Danica Patrick, and I'm Pretty Intense. I believe that each and every one of us has the power within ourselves to create the life that we really want. And I want to inspire you to to go conquer your dreams, both professionally and personally. That's why I created this podcast. We can learn together with intense discussions with my guests about life, inspiring ideas, and ultimately realize our true best self. Our guests will be from all aspects of life. They're going to be family, friends, celebrities, musicians, artists, experts, and entrepreneurs. Sometimes people haven't necessarily been asked a certain question, or maybe someone hasn't thought a certain way or even challenged themselves. And I feel like for me, I got that therapy through interviews. So this podcast is going to be intense therapy. We're going to go as deep as we can possibly go with people and learn how they did what they did and how you can too. Join me for this deep dive. My only warning is it can be pretty intense. So like I said, I've only listened to one episode of this podcast and it is not NASCAR or race car. It's not a sports podcast. It is just happens to be Danica Patrick talking with all sorts of people. And I've already looked through the back catalog and I've tagged and earmarked some things that I do want to download and listen to based on who the guest is. And it's something I'm looking forward to getting into. And I'm going to find a way to work it into my regular listening rotation, but definitely check this out. Danica Patrick's pretty intense. All right. So I will start um, (laughs) with my number. So my current unlistened to podcast is um, 1,599. Oh my goodness. So it has not gone down. However, I have completely gotten rid of two different shows that I wasn't listening to, but Amen. Amen. But I actually listened to them. So I just binged on an entire season of um, two different shows. So the show that I'm going to recommend is um, Land of the Giants. Land of the Giants talks about those big tech companies that have raised or that have um, risen to those astronomical heights. So this is the show description. In less than two decades, Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos scaled an online marketplace for books into the world's most valuable company, but at what cost? From Prime and HQ2 to the growing adoption of smart speakers and home cameras to increasing scrutiny of Amazon's power and its role in the changing nature of work, Vox and Recode's new podcast, Land of the Giants, The Rise of Amazon, addresses it all with detailed, thought-provoking, measured reporting from host Jason Del Rey. And it's not just for insiders. This show is the essential guide to Amazon's backstory, for those unfamiliar and offers never told never before told behind the scenes stories for the Amazon obsessed. And I have to say I'm not Amazon obsessed. I am a prime user and have been for quite a few years. I'm certainly not an early adopter, but it was just really interesting to get some of the backstory of Prime, some of the backstory of how Amazon kind of took on Wall Street and the promises it made and some of the copycat endeavors from other companies. Um, You guys know I like listening to those entrepreneurial type shows. And while this certainly doesn't focus on any new entrepreneurial endeavors, um, it does talk about how Amazon scaled its excellent rise to being a, you know, at times trillion dollar company. Um, Some of the 
inner workings and some of the less glamorous things are revealed in the show. And uh, I think it's really worth a listen. It's only, I think, eight or nine episodes. They're not exceptionally long. I listened to it in a day and a half. So probably two days if you want to really narrow it down. But um, it's just really good. Really, really good show. Good reporting, solid fact-checking. And um, the last episode really kind of made me chuckle and kind of think like, yeah, I'm in that boat. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. All right. So hopefully in a few episodes, AJ, you can report back about the book. Mm-hmm. Stacy will start her internet company. <laughs> what are you going to be up to, Chris? Be ah. You're going to be driving your new car everywhere. I'll, I'll drive my new car listening to the Donna, Donica Patrick podcast. Don't drive three, like Danica, though. <laughs> uh, before we go, we do have uh, a little bit of feedback. Uh, we got some feedback on Twitter. And this also comes from Dan Krinus, who we mentioned just a few minutes ago. And he tweeted regarding episode 56 with Tracy, quote, great episode at Mr. Nessie, at AJ Bianco, at Iron Tech, and at TA Enos 99. Thanks for listening, Dan. Glad you enjoyed the conversation. I love that conversation. Yeah. Also want to take a moment. If you enjoyed our conversation about Twitter, please hit us all up on Twitter and tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at Podcast PD, at Mr. Nessie, at Iron Tekken, at AJ Bianco. <laughs> and uh, love when the uh, the speak pipes and the audio comes in because audio makes podcasts go round. So here is a speak pipe audio message from Ken Morrison from Malaysia. Take it away, Ken. Hey there, this is Ken Morrison calling in from Malaysia. And if I could only listen to one podcast for the rest of my life, it would be Big Questions with Cal Fussman. As much as I love my educational podcasts like Podcast PD, um, listening to Cal Fussman reminds me that our goal as educators should be to nurture nurture curious grown-ups who are great communicators and enthusiastic about life and learning, just like Cal Fussman. Um, basically, if you don't know, Tim Ferriss really wanted Cal Fussman to do a podcast, so he kind of crowdsourced all of his listeners to publicly peer pressure Cal Fussman to let him know that if he made a a podcast, we would be happy to listen to him after he was a, a guest on Tim Ferriss's podcast many times. So um, um, Cal Fussman just models a growth mindset as he is extremely new to podcasting and Twitter. And he's also nurtured a young a young author or two. So he's the man simply loves to learn and his um, enthusiasm and love for learning is contagious. So that's why he would be but the only, if I had to only choose one podcast, it would be Big Questions with Cal Fussman. Hey, thanks a lot, Ken. And obviously, uh, this was uh, an older speak pipe that got lost in the ether of the internet because earlier this year, we did have people call in to share if they could only listen to one podcast. So, sorry, Ken, that it took us a little longer to get yours here on the show. But thank you for sharing that podcast. There'll be a link to that in the show notes out at podcastpd.com slash 57 for anybody who wants to check out that recommendation or any of the other ones also wanted to try something a little different and we've been connecting it's funny that we're doing this for the first time in this episode but we wanted to shout out some new people who've connected with at podcast pd on twitter which means thank you for connecting with us and thank you for listening to the podcast so here are some twitter names that you may want to go and check out so we have at Mechanic Jackie, and that's Jackie with an I. We have at Aloha, at Educating Me, at Mrs. Lieben, and that's L-E-B-A-N, at Emily Wilk 54, 
at M5Music1, that's the number one, at Cassandra Zing, at McDonough CST, at Miss Jackson HMS, and at SMS Coaching WH. Thank you to these 10 fine folks for connecting with us, and we're glad you listened to Podcast PD. And if you have thoughts on this show, again, ironically, let us know what you think on Twitter. Or go to podcastpd.com slash feedback and send us a voicemail or an audio message, and we'd be happy to continue the conversation that we started. Even better. Hopefully, we'll get to see you in real life at a conference coming up soon. Yeah, we need to start traveling more. Um, When we find the time, who knows? I'm going to travel to uh, New Brunswick for EdCamp, and that's about it. To date the episode, EdCamp New Jersey is coming up on Saturday, November 23rd, 2019. For more information, go to edcampnewjersey.net. All right, my friends. I think it's a wrap. What do you think? I think we're good. Say goodbye, Stacey. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. Do you want to do it? No, because I'm not you, and I'm not as good as you. All right. All right, my friends. Until next time, say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Say goodbye, Christopher. Goodbye, Christopher. Really switched up. Goodbye, Podcast PD. I tried to do it like you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at ajbianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie. And I would love it if you also checked out the House of Ed Tech podcast over on chrisnessie.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech. And I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We'd also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com forward slash Facebook to join. You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague. And if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us.